0: there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today I'm speaking with Mark Makepeace, Mark is a fascinating individual with over 30 years of experience in the financial services industry, uh, starting back in the 1980s uh, with the London Stock Exchange, where he joined it to coordinate the Big Bang, the deregulation of the City of London. He then built uh, um, FTSE Russell out, the the FTSE, um, a real blue chip brand, uh, starting from when it was just nine people uh, until the point when it was bought out for a billion dollars. So, a really fascinating uh, story. He has a book, he has plenty of stories to tell, and uh, how he was able to really win the support of very influential people is a critical lesson, I think, for all of us. Uh, And it's also great to hear his plans for the future. He's just taken a role as CEO of Wilshire, a global investment technology and advisory company, and has plans to multiply that business by 5 or 10x in the coming years. So, a wealth of experience. I'm sure you'll learn a lot and find it an enjoyable uh, conversation, just as I did. So, sit back, relax, and welcome to Mark Make Peace. Hi, Mark. Hi, Richard. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Uh, pleasure to be here.
0: So, um, so first of all, thank you for joining. I know you've, it sounds like you've um, been making heroic trips around Europe in the last... Um, <laughs> the last few days from italy to london (laughs) despite covid so congratulations on making all that happen
1: thank you thank you travel is not easy these days and um uh, getting entry back to the uk is quite a challenge with all the forms that uh Yeah, yeah
0: i can imagine so um also mark um uh really happy to have you you um yeah, you're the chief executive of of Wilshire. Uh, you've had, an, you know, a really interesting, I think, career in um, in finance. You know, you've mm-hmm. just brought out this um, a book. I'm sure you will you mentioned to us, but yeah. um, uh, you know, you've really got um, a wealth of experience, and yeah, I think you've been around the world a couple of times as well mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. So um, before we dive into your success formula and and uh, your success formula and and really explore how you've had the impact that you've had. Perhaps could you give us a minute or two of just you know who are you, um, you know, who's the man behind the mask, um, <laughs> and um, and what's just what's been your journey, right? Like what what took you from you know your starts you know in life to to the chief executive role?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think the background often leads into you know how you tackle some of these roles. Like I grew up in sort of East London, in you know, a very sort of working area. Um, My first main job was in local government, working at Lambeth Council, uh, Brixton during the riot years there. Mm. Um, And I moved from Brixton, which wasn't an obvious move, into the city to um, help coordinate Big Bang and the changes in the uh, city of London. And uh, after after I'd coordinated and helped coordinate those changes, of course, I was kicking my heels. And the exchange uh, asked me to stay on. I helped them in a number of strategic uh, projects, trying to evaluate how they should operate in a new technology world then. Mm. Um, And I then started FTSE, which became a joint venture between the FT and London Stock Exchange. And it was, uh, one, a joint venture, but it was a startup. Just Mm. nine people. Uh, The expectations were not that high, but we were very successful. We grew FTSE from nine people to something like 1,500 people. We grew it from um, revenue of less than a million to when I stepped down at the beginning of 2019 to almost a billion dollars with a a pretty healthy margin. So it was a business we grew organically, but also through acquisitions. And uh, we Mm. were able to acquire some fairly big businesses in the U.S., uh, mm-hmm. and other parts of the world um, so it was quite a journey quite a journey over that time and uh, yeah and it's a blue chip brand, a lot. Right?
0: It's, um, a yeah.
1: brand. Yeah. we created a brand that um, I, you know exceeded our expectation
0: yeah that's um, incredible and um, uh, and so now what's this Gig with Wilshire, what's what's going on there? That's pretty new for you, right?
1: It's new, but but um, having stepped down uh, from FTSE and uh, spent a little bit of time sitting in the garden, uh, I, I knew that um, I wasn't ready to sort of take it easy. Mm. So uh, I wanted to get back in. And luckily enough, I was able to, working with private equity, uh, we found um, what we see as the first of uh, uh, companies in which we can build, uh, build upon. Uh, and Wilshire, they're a very impressive company, a long history, uh, but essentially they provide um, financial advice, analytics and um, data, um, which supports some of the biggest um, in institutional and retail uh, investors uh, in the US uh, and increasingly around the world. So we saw that as a, as a great start for um uh growing a, a much much bigger company and we always start with huge ambitions. so our ambition is to grow a business that is you know 10 20 times the size of um of what we acquire uh, and that's what we're setting out to do but uh we're just two months in but making yeah. very good progress
0: yeah fantastic so uh, yeah, i love this um this sense of you know what's the next what's the next thing you know i, I um I think that when you're living a kind of an, I describe it as an exponential life, you know, yeah. it's like the, when you look back, it looks, it looks uh, horizontal. When you look forward, it looks yeah. vertical. And yeah. that's when you know you're playing an interesting game.
1: That's right. That's right. And then and I suppose but when I wrote the book, I mean, I think that helped me in a way realise that um, I wasn't ready to, you know, to slow down because so I wrote the book and you look back, and you and you think about the different journeys and decisions you made, and those that worked, those that didn't mm. and, and you put yourself back in those times when, as you say, you're looking up that mountain, and mm. you're sort of thinking, you know what's the next camp I could get to yeah. you know yeah. and how, yeah. how do I move from there and when you when you start as the small guy and you take on the bigger guys and then you become one of the big guys. I mean that 's quite a journey for the team itself, you know, mm-hmm. as individuals, you go through a huge journey Absolutely. Uh, and i and I think as I, as I looked at that, I just thought hey, i'd love to do that one more time, at least one more time yeah yeah,
0: yeah I, love I mean I love the idea of, as well. I mean I often say to people who've had huge success in in like one phase of their business career mm-hmm. i'm like and some people they' are like, yeah, perhaps I go to the golf course now, and i 'm like well <laughs> You know, and they'll say, "Well, perhaps I can do a bit of a bit of this, bit of that," and uh, that's thing wrong with that again. But I often say, "Well, you've got two options at this point. You can dabble, yeah, yeah, which is like fun, but probably you're dabbling mainly because you don't want to get burnt, like worn out, and have your relationship yeah. suffer the way they did, perhaps in the first part of your career." But yeah. but what if you could do it? Do the next thing in a sustainable way, a healthy way, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know what would a 25 year vision look like you know that's yeah. exponential from where you currently got to yeah. you know what about if the next you know next 10 20 years of your of your life had more imp- uh, 10x more impact than the first yeah. Forty yeah. did, uh, and that's kind of again a, a really interesting place. So I love this kind of sense that you know. That yeah, and, and, really I, and I
1: enjoyed, here. I enjoyed every part of the journey, but I enjoyed some of the journey towards the end as well. Because you're right, when you when you were young, and I started FTSE when I was young, I was, I was sort of early thirties, mm. and um, uh, and then it's all about energy and, and you know, and and you achieve things despite mm. uh, the obstacles that are there. I, I think as as you, as you go through that career and you learn, towards the end, actually, you're coaching others. Mm. You're, you're trying to help them create a, a vision. You're trying to stretch people. Um, but actually, if you're doing it right, it's the younger talent and the other talents you're finding in, within the company that mm. are really driving you forward. Um, yes. So you take on a different role. So hopefully, you know, that, it's what enables me to try doing it again? Mm,
0: yeah. Lovely. So if you were to kind of look back at that at that um your career so far, yeah. what's your secret sauce? So what are the one you know, one, two, or three factors mm. that is like the unique mark-make-piece um combination, right? What do you bring that uh, has worked for yeah. you? Yeah,
1: I, I I think it's I always wanted to make a difference. Mm. Um, and um yeah and and I think you know that does come from my childhood and 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 um yeah I, I as I said I grew up in east part of london fairly sort of working area I had a father who would question everything and actually at the time I sort of disliked that but actually that became you know a key sort of tool in my armory if you think because um what I learned to do you, you were constantly questioning until you could get it right um and you were trying to create that picture of what change looked like uh, mm. and um, that was enormously powerful because if you can create a picture of the change and you can be clear about the impact and the difference that that change makes mm. you can then start to think through you know all the challenges of getting there and you can also think through the steps and, um, and it's much easier to lead a team You know, if if as a team you you know you create that vision and you'll buy in. Um Mm -hmm. so 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 part of it was that it was just I had the ambition and I had something where I wanted to be different, I wanted to disrupt, I wanted to create something that was better than, and I had a view as to what that was. I surrounded myself with people who had skills which you know, arrogantly, I might say, compliment me, but were different from me. Mm. And I think together, you know, we could refine some of my sort of rough sort of ideas Mm. and Mm. turn it into something which, you know, the clients appreciated and the clients became our sort of, if you like, champions in a way. Mm. They wanted us to succeed. Uh,
0: so how did you do that? How did you, find the, you, know, how did you hire people with those complementary skills? Because often people can hire in their own image, right? They can actually surround yes. themselves and look alike. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, what's your, what was your approach? for? Well, I don't think actually... there were many
1: people like me in the city, so that helped. Um, okay. But I, I think I set out with the purpose of getting somebody that was different. And I was also, I was very lucky in that um, some senior people took me under their sort of wing. You know and when, when I first got involved in indices, I needed you know a, a figurehead to help me pull together some of the, the big firms in the city. And I talked to um, a, a number of people I've been working with, and, and they pointed me in the direction of someone called Donald Bryden, who at that time was heading uh, Barclays Global Investors. Um, he went on to become Sir Donald Bryden. Um, uh, was chairman of London Stock Exchange for a time. Was chairman of Sage. Was you know he was deputy chief executive of Barclays Securities. Mm. So a number of big jobs he ran, and he he helped me enormously. I mean, he helped me in terms of um, uh, as I started tackling some of the problems, um, he would help me by just giving me guidance or yeah. contacting people and, and 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 encouraging as well. So there were people like. Donald Byrne who helped me. He helped me establish FTSE itself because when I tried setting up FTSE, there was resistance at the board level at the London Stock Exchange. He was an independent board member and he spoke in favour of it and that helped convince the board. So, So having those people, and it wasn't because he had any interest other than I think he thought that I was someone who was trying to do something that was worth achieving. And then, mm. there's a number of people like that in my career, uh, senior people um, who have who, who have done that, uh, and not mm. through me asking, through them, you know, going out of their way to do that, uh, and mm. and that helped so, me enormously.
0: So how does uh, it's great that I me mean, that idea of having those right people at the right time to pull you up, mm. almost right that yeah. um, that people are further ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, modesty aside, because you did it right. Like yes. what. What do they see in you, right? How did you do that, right? I mean, it's not everybody that gets these very senior figures to champion them and put them onto a platform that allows them to create the impact that they then then go on and have. So what do you think they did see in you?
1: I think they saw a purpose, and I think they saw someone who was genuine in trying Mm. to achieve something. And I think they believed... I could have impact that would be positive in their eyes. Mm-hmm. So examples of that is, look, I created something called FTSE for Good, which I at the time thought was a great idea, which it was an idea that came from Roger Moore. I was doing some work helping UNICEF, and uh, Roger was helping us raise funds for UNICEF. And we were in uh, Switzerland. I think it was Geneva we were in. We, we'd hosted a dinner and after the dinner, Roger and I were, were sitting at a table. Everyone had left. Uh, he brought out a couple of cigars. We were smoking cigars, drinking the last sort of the brandy that was there. And he said to me, Mark, he said, look, this index game, he said, he said, you should do more for UNICEF. He said, what you should do is create an index of the good companies. And, you know, the money you earn from that, you should give to UNICEF. And it seemed such a simple idea. Maybe it was the, the brandy at the time. But the idea of creating an index of good companies seemed you know, obvious. But I got together then a group of um, experts in sustainability. And we we designed the criteria for judging what a good company could be. And we then tried to apply that to the UK. And we actually found at that time, because this was before... Um, sustainability was really um, Mm. uh, a strong theme. There there was only a handful of companies that met the criteria. Mm. So we we didn't have enough companies to start the index. Uh. But undeterred, we thought, look, let's publish the criteria and tell people we are going to create this index. And um, that will help us, you know, Mm. obtain enough companies because enough companies should think that's something that we want to do. So we did that, and I published that, and Roger Moore um, helped me publish it. We we stood together on the steps of the stock exchange, and the FT took pictures of us and put it on their front page. So it created a great news story, but of course it created also huge opposition. You know, the CBI sent one of their uh, deputy chairmen to see me to tell me that this was, you know, just a way of criticizing companies, and you know, oh, and they really? were not in favour. Uh, The London Stock Exchange chairman rang me to say that they thought that, um, you know, why was I doing this? And had I thought this through properly? And at the time, so I I came under a huge amount of criticism at the time. Um, And and it was probably because I had thought that it would receive that sort of reception. So at at that time, I I called up the editor of the FT, um, Richard Lambert, who went on to become head of the CBI, actually, strangely enough Mm -hmm. now. Uh, so, Richard Lambert and um, Richard called me in uh, and said, uh, and I said, Look, this is the problem I've got. i have being attacked in all these ways. And Richard said, Okay. And he called in the various Lex columnists and had them interview me. And they published a Lex article, which was, you know, positive in some ways and slightly negative, but it was a fair representation of what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it set it out as to say that people shouldn't, this is the future, people should be thinking about how companies have an impact on society. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, and we were able to go ahead. We, we got the companies, enough companies to create the index and off we went. And it was a great, mm. great success. But, mm. you know, without the support of some key people, you know, mm. it probably would never have got off the ground
0: yeah no I love that I mean that that um I often describe with my work as people who listen to the podcast will know is the intersection of strategy leadership and purpose and yeah I really believe that like when you are you know you can't move others until you are moved yourself and and like that you know your your, your point there is that when you're actually a man with a mission if you like somebody with purpose Mm -hmm. then as you said people can see that and go actually I want to be a part of that I want to at least yeah open the door for this yeah. kind of stuff to happen yeah, yeah. Um, but i think
1: i think you also you're taking on a personal risk and i think just because i grew up i, I think um the way i grew up I, I was always willing to take on that personal risk and I, I as you get older you you see the risks more mm. and you learn to reduce the risks mm-hmm. um, but the personal risks even with the right purpose you know the personal risks are still there I mean, on one occasion, I found myself in the courts of Shanghai Um, because, again, the purpose was right. We we were the first into China in 2001. Um, We had been very successful in mainland China. um, And at that time, the Chinese regulators were very much split between the reformists and those who were looking to uh, maintain status quo. And the reformists had encouraged me and um, uh, FTSE um, to uh, license a product for trading outside of China, in Singapore. And in, in China, you never, you never ask for permission. You just go and tell the authority. If the authority doesn't like it, they'll tell you. Um, if, they, if they're okay with it, they just say, thank you for informing us um and, and we we had had six or seven meetings with all the senior um <coughs> groups mm. and we had been told thank you for informing us um we wish you the best of success thank you very much so we 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 were we were launching in, in um in singapore the the morning we were due to launch there was a change in the uh, uh views in in uh, china um and The Chinese turned around and said, you must stop. You cannot go ahead. Now, at that time, we were fully committed and we did go ahead. Uh, And as a result, I was taken through the courts of uh, Shanghai, um, found guilty. Um, We appealed, uh, was found guilty again, um, (laughs) was told to pay a penalty of uh, $25,000, US dollars. uh, And they took no further action. So it's just carried on. It is today the most successful contract that trades on the Singapore Stock Exchange.
0: Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's Checklist for Challenging Times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. In a sense, I feel that... you in a sense, often the thing we think there is risky ends up yeah. respect, being the safest thing because point yourself in the direction of growth and change yeah. and yeah. learning. Yeah. And it might feel risky at the time. It's pretty volatile, right? But it's in probably, terms yeah, of. Yeah, it's
1: volatile. You know, one of the biggest risks are, as you say, is the unknown risk. Mm. You know, risks which you can see, you mm. can plan for. Mm. Uh, And therefore you can reduce the impact or you at least consider the impact. So so those risks you you expect Mm. to manage. It's the unforeseen risk. It's something that happens that you hadn't expected. Those are the risks. They're the ones that are much harder to manage and much more dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um it, it's it's um it reminds me a bit of you know, um Nicholas Taleb, his book, you know, the 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 black swan and, and um mm-hmm. I think I think it's black swan I'm thinking of and I'm thinking of anti fragile actually. It's what? um where he um you know talks about the fact that you know we're so anti uh, volatility that we try to create all these structures to mm-hmm. flatten it all out. Yeah yep. with the result is everything seems nice and stable until it <laughs> until it goes through catastrophic failure.
1: Yes. Right. Yes, so it's yes. like
0: it's like the equivalent, to, the example he gives is like a freelancer versus an employee. The freelancer yep. suffers like this kind of volatility. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're probably never going to lose all their clients at the same time. Yeah. You know, they're, yep. they're going to be able to adapt to new market trends. Yes, new will yes, be yes. learning new skills. Whereas the corporate employee mm-hmm. might have a totally predictable salary for yep. a decade and, and then, then suddenly, suddenly lose their job yep. and suddenly realize they don't, they have marketable skills, right? So right. it's this kind of difference between do you want to play this game of volatility, yeah, or um, you know, or do you actually kind of want to try to shield that but have this potential risk of it all going yeah, wrong? Yeah, <laughs>
1: and a lot of a lot of risk is also about perception because look, look, things are changing in the world. You know, technology is you know shaping the world. And if, you, if you're not thinking about technology in a business sense, then you're taking on huge risk. Um, and, and the sort of digital world that is coming, or, you know, and because of COVID is here even quicker, um, means that, that the way we do business has changed and will continue to change dramatically. But the, the thing is, the business opportunities that are out there are also very significant. Mm. You know, I've been talking to people about digital impact in the financial world. And I'm saying, look, look, you know, it's not just about how we communicate with people. It's actually how we invest. You know, there are digital forms of investment out there today. But, you know, in 5, 10, maximum 15 years, all investment will be in some form of digital world. And once you turn it digital, you can change the shape of that. Completely
0: yeah, yeah. So, so this as new
1: as well. world mm. will throw up huge opportunity, but it mm. is a huge risk if you do because it's happening so fast it's a huge risk if you don't focus on it and try and do mm. something and if you believe you can have that steady state, yeah. I think today you're misleading yourself absolutely
0: yeah mm. so what's um so let's get back to this question of um, solving problems you know you're talking about um, you know, um, you mentioned earlier on this idea about visualising outcomes and questioning. Um, Just tell me a bit more about that. You know, how do you kind of like, uh, how does that show up in, you know, in the businesses you've you've led? You know, how does, how do you use that as as an
1: approach? I, I never sort of, after Big Bang, I was kicking my heels around around the Stock Exchange. And what they had me do is they had me work on a number of different projects they had. And initially, they had me work with um, consultants. So they bring in consultants from outside, the McKinsey's or, or you know, one of the big firms. Uh, and it was just on such a range of different things. So they, they had no proper disaster recovery plans at the exchange at that time because everything had moved to technology. Mm-hmm. They had me work alongside one of the um, consultants. And really, they, would, they saw in me something I hadn't seen which was that problem solving and then how do you break down complex problems into mm. a way in which can be understood by people and can you get at really what's the key factors which are driving it? Mm. Can you understand that, break it down into elements and build it up in a way in which you can solve those problems? And and just doing five, six of these projects, working alongside other Um, uh, experts and partners of these firms and then starting to do this on my own um, actually taught me so much it it taught me and, and and the biggest lesson to me was you've got to create a vision of the end goal you know what is it you're trying to achieve and then what does it look like and you've really got to be able to describe it and you mustn't just describe it vaguely uh, and you've got to describe it in enough detail and then you've got when you describe it in detail so you understand it you then have got to describe it in a way in which others can achieve it mm. so in other words if you describe this problem in such a way that everyone thinks yes that's a problem but how the hell do i solve mm. that problem mm. that's no good you've got to describe it in a way and help people understand how they can solve elements of it or get to that end goal. And and I think that's, and and because they made me go around this with different consultants, that taught me a huge amount in Mm. trying to do that. So I started to visualize what's the end picture, describe that, break it down, have people question it, work with me, and then work out how we solve it and think about steps um, Mm. as to how you can get there and 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 since then you know you can't do that with all problems because small problems you need to just solve and move on but for the bigger more complex problems that became our way of working
0: yeah i think this idea of visualization it's it's so important i often um I often push my clients because you're right, often people come back with slightly vague, slightly theoretical, yeah. conceptual um, visions or yeah. goals. Yeah. And I really say, like, imagine I'm walking around offices with a video camera, you know, or I'm yeah. flying the wall or I've hacked yeah. your computer network. Yeah. What am I going to find in the future? Right. So I know that, you know, what's the checklist that I can go around with yeah. and tick off yeah. to see whether yeah. this vision is real exactly. or not? That's right. And it has to be tangible. I say a vision is something yeah. that you see, right? It has to be... Yeah.
1: It has to be tangible. I mean, it has be, to be you know, relatable. It has to be relatable. But yeah. it's also... Look, it's got, it's, got to be, it's got to be big enough and have an impact. You know, so mm-hmm. when we were... You know, when we had a million dollars of revenue, it was no good saying we were going to double the revenue. You know, it just wasn't a big enough impact. So, you know, you, you had to always have a target where at first people were sort of thinking, how do we achieve that? Because if you can mm. get them over that, you know, then, you know, if you don't have that as the first reaction, the target's not big enough, not impactful right. enough. Yeah. And don't always think in terms of money because often, yeah. you know, money will follow, mm. you know, and today's, today you, you're no longer running businesses just to generate more profit. You know, it's a multi-stakeholder world and you have to think through all the stakeholders and how you're going to bring them along and what the impact you are going to have on those stakeholders. And it needs to be positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, and as we talked before, you know, impact is the name of the game. And this is what I'm, you know, the word that is probably if if somebody cut me open with, you know, like a stick of rock, (laughs) I think that that quest for impact, right? And for always thinking, how do I do more? Um yeah. is there, and I think it's um as you say it's like money will follow that's right uh, and, and I impact. saw
1: that we, we FTSE, I saw that like, I said, look, we need to you know, be the biggest in terms of assets that follow us because that would have impact. So I started to do things like set standards for how you would bring uh, sort of these developing countries into our indices, mm. um, and particularly would have a, a size and scale. Uh, and that was tricky because you were dealing with governments. And that's where I started also dealing with China. And that took a long time. But the impact of bringing china saudi arabia into our industry it moved billions of dollars Mm. and because it moved billions of dollars then we became important Mm. because we came became important and influential more and more clients wanted to help us and more and more clients wanted to be involved with us
0: Mm. Mm. let's let's go into the future um for a bit now mark you um Obviously you've had this, you know, um, you know, great career up to now. You've, you know, Mm. you've um, you know, just leaving FTSE a a while back. Um you've written your book about the inside story of that journey, right? Yes. Um, Footsy
1: the inside story, yes. Yeah, (laughs) it's a good read. It's a good read. Yeah, well,
0: given by the quality of the stories you've been sharing in the last (laughs) half hour, I think probably a lot of people will be very interested in getting the the juicy gossip, uh, which would be fun. Um So uh, yeah, and now you're kind of going into this this very new role at Wilshire, mm. where yeah. you've kind of said, "I want to have a, a time, 10 times, 20 mm. or more yeah. um, impact on on the kind of size mm. of this company and where it goes." Yeah. Um, here's my question: What are you going to have to do differently in this next phase than you have had to do in the past? How is your own success formula going to need to
1: change a bit? Yeah, I, I think it's the leadership style has to change. Um, and every time you do something, you do have to look at it and look at yourself and say, "Are you up for the change?" Because you you can never do any project the way you did the last one, no matter how successful mm, the last yeah. one was. So each one you've got to look at afresh, and you've got to look at yourself honestly, and you've got to, uh, which is difficult. And and you've then got to get stuff up for that. But I, I think leadership has changed, um, and I think leadership today is much more. Um, I suppose I call it sort of followership. In other words, you, you're you're coaching and and you're coaching in a way where you inspire and people follow you. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I think that followership is very very important. Um, uh, and, and I'm lucky enough is that a number of people who've worked with me in the past, whether they were clients um, or um, uh, former colleagues, have mm. joined me on this venture. Um, mm. But um, we're excited by it. But I also look at the market and see some of the trends, I and mean, then there are, you know, some of the trends out there. You know, yes, there's some that have been around for a while, but some of them are speeded up. You know, I, I, I think there are four trends which are really driving the financial markets. The first one is technology, and that is changing mm. like never, never before. And that's very, very exciting. And embracing technology and embracing the way technology can change your relationship with a mm. client yeah. is, I think, the most important change that is happening now. We all used to say technology will change. We're now saying technology is changing. Mm-hmm. And and, that's, yeah. and, that's and that excites and, me. And that is, you know, yes, we're developing in technology, but it's new because of the pace and where we are. Mm-hmm. The second is private markets. Private markets are far bigger than the public markets. Public markets have been shrinking. The reason is money's cheap and there's a lot of money there. And therefore, funding for private, where these companies can grow very fast, makes it an exciting area to be. Mm -hmm. And investors and the retail, as well as institutional, want to invest more in that market. And I think Wilshire is well positioned um, to help that growth. The third is, and I think we're only at the very beginning of this, is climate change and ESG, where I talked briefly that, businesses need to think about all stakeholders um it's not just about the environment social issues are becoming more and more important Mm. um and the governance has always been an area so that's going to be an area which will become standard it used to be an area where you know a small people um used to sort of invest or or was important to them now it's everybody and i think that's important
0: let me just say something about that, actually. That that point about those stakeholders, Matt. One mm-hmm. of the things I often do when I work with like a leadership mm-hmm. team, for example, is yeah. to is to kind of broaden their view about like who would like to be in this room right now. Yeah. Right. So often yeah. often when teams work together, they often get very introverted and like inward looking yeah. and they're like yeah. navel gazing about how we're working in our own team dynamics, which, which is yeah. one thing, it's important. But already like who are the other stakeholders? And yeah. often there's a layer you can think of, obviously. But yeah. then there's like, well, who else could or should be in this room? And who would like to be in this room? And you can yeah. say, well, let's personify the planet and put the put in yeah. this room. It sounds weird to start with. When you, but actually yeah. you go, well, yeah, but what is, you know, what is our relationship with that, with this, yeah. you know, the planet? And and, yeah. and as often when you open up the field of vision, mm-hmm. that's where you find the new insights. Because yeah. um, as somebody said, you know, the, the, the quote, it's... Um, like to the mad, you know, the madman is perfectly logical, um, <laughs> but within a very small uh, frame of reference, Yeah. Yep. like they think somebody's out, everyone's out to get them Yeah. because they're ignoring all the people who are like totally ignoring them and sitting yes. on the yes. bench in the park yep. and having a picnic yep. or whatever. Right. Yep. And it's like sometimes so um, everything's logical within your frame of vision. But if you actually open it up and think about a new frame of vision and broader set of stakeholders... And
1: it's, and it's hard to do that because often you know, know. people are open-minded, but, but they're, they're sort of, you grow up and, and you, you, have, you have these biases that you're even not aware of. And you, mm. as you say, you, you naturally tend to select or like or, or group with people who have similar views to mm. yourself. Yes. So to try and teach people to do the opposite, you know, it is actually spend time with people who think completely differently to you, mm. come from a completely different background, and actually it does work. Mm. And again, if I look back in my career, when, when I joined London Stock Exchange, I was helped enormously by a person called um, uh, Mitford Slade, Patrick Mitford Slade, who was a partner of Casanova, an ex-guards and officer, And he was chairman of what was called Projects Committee, which was overseeing Big Bang. And he was the one who picked me out from a group and made me um, the secretary to do that. And we were completely different ends of scout in every way. Mm. But there was something, he was open-minded enough to think that I had a skill set that would complement him. And it worked. Um, And it taught me an enormous lesson is that, look, You've got to put all of those biases and prejudices and all of that to one side, and you've got to try and find people who are different mm. in lots of different ways. Yeah. So I think you had a fourth trend. My fourth was China, and because China will, again, change things. Not, not just politically, and it will change that, but it, there's a whole new way of doing business with China and in China. Uh, and whether or not we like it because China is different, we we have to deal with that because it will be an enormous market, um, both within China, but also the Chinese will be an enormous market for the rest of the world. Mm. So we've got to find a way where, you know, you can understand and work with and in China. Mm. Yeah, yeah yeah they're different a great point. A great they're point. different so all to talk yeah. about diversity yeah that means that's the we hit should be road. thinking about that yes yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> well hey mark it's been fascinating talking to you if people want to find out more about you or about wilshire where should they do how should they do that how should they get in touch yeah
1: they, they, they should just look at uh, the wilshire website um and they'll find us on there or if they're on linkedin send mm-hmm. me a message very happy to talk to people
0: Perfect. Well, again, it's been fascinating. I've got, you know, um, really interesting stories. Thank you for sharing some of that journey with, um, with us um, and um, being so open as well about what the future holds in store um, in the sector as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Really enjoyed that. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level. If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.